Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. Let's pray real quick before we start our message. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have as people to be in church. I thank you that we never be familiar with what we get to do each Sunday. I thank you that we never take for granted the love of Christ in our life to the point where we might not share it, but instead we push forward. We share it with every single person that we possibly can, God. We thank you for this world. We thank you for Canada. We just pray just peace and strength upon the world right now. There's some crazy things going on, and we thank you that your peace floods every single family, every single person, every single leader. We think that we know the love of Christ. It changes even the worst people to be lovers of Christ and completely change their ways, God. So we thank you for peace among every nation right now, God, and strength within everything going forward. We thank you for the leaders of this country. We thank you for the leaders of this world. We pray that joy and strength floods their life, God. We thank you that your word says, in all our ways, acknowledge Jesus and he will direct our path. So we thank you that every single leader, wherever they are, right now is, is acknowledging you in their ways and they will be directed by you as they go into the future and lead this country. We thank you that if anyone's self-serving that we can move them out and we can continue to elect someone even greater that will lead us into your perfect will, the most amazing plan and purpose for us. God, we thank you for this in your name and everyone in agreement said amen and amen. Awesome. Today I want to I want to talk about something that's very close to my heart and the title of my message is Your Part to Play. Your part to play. How many of you agree um, that the fact that God has a part for you to play in advancing his kingdom? Amen? I think everyone should understand whether you're a pastor or not. My dad used to always say, if you want to be a pastor, start pastoring where you are. Just in, in the streets, in your community, in your home, be a pastor. Be continuing to spread that. No matter what it is, no matter what you feel called to, we are all collectively called to advance the kingdom by loving God and loving people and making disciples of all nations, the Bible says. And this is something that we are super excited about doing. But what's so important for us, church, everyone who comes here to know is the fact that you have a part to play. It's not a, a part that rev revolves around you staying in your comfort zone. It's not a, a part that revolves around you kind of going, oh, we'll come to church and then we'll leave and then we'll just go back to doing what we're doing. No, we're all called to push forward the, the good news is what the, the, what the word says. And it's important for us to continue to do that. On, on uh, Wednesday night, I talked a lot about... Um, John chapter 3. And that's been really close to my heart lately. And I, I want to continue speaking on John chapter 3 today. I ran out of, of uh, time in the first service, so I got to get into the word right now. Otherwise, I'm going to run out of time again. John chapter 3, uh, verse 1, we're starting. It starts with a, a story with Nicodemus and Jesus. So it starts with this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is 
with him. I love this opening verse of of John chapter 3 because it's setting a pace of Nicodemus noticing the works that Jesus was doing on earth to say, you must be from God. You must be with God. You must be impacting to the degree that you can because of God's amazing will on Jesus's life to come to the world and do what the most amazing miracles that he did. The one crazy thing is that I love is that when we go further into, into John, actually chapter 14, there's a verse that says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Do you believe that? Believe that? We will do even greater things than Jesus. That's what Jesus said, so we can say it. It's amazing to be able to know that your life, where you're going, what you're doing, if you establish it on the foundation of Jesus, you will go on to do amazing works for Jesus to the point where we're going to have our own Nicodemuses in our own life that come up to us and go, I can just tell that you believe in God. I can tell that God is with you because of what I'm seeing you do. How phenomenal is that to be a part of a body of Christ where what you're going to do is going to go deeper and greater than what Jesus did when he was on the planet. The only difference is the fact that everything we do is going to push Jesus even greater and higher and bigger and it's just going to be phenomenal. I love that verse and it was a word picture that hit me when I said, man, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, you have done amazing things. I know you're the teacher from God because no one can do these signs that you can do unless God is with him. Let me tell you, Holy Spirit is, is with each and every one of us believers today, tomorrow, and every single day, guiding us into new truths, guiding us into new territory, guiding us to love like never before. And I truly believe that the best is yet to come, of course. We've been saying that more and more and more. And I, I love that because it's going to be so great to go forward in the best is yet to come. But we're all of the people of Jesus are going to do amazing things for him. And people are going to go, whoa, I can tell that you prioritize God in your life because of the, the wonders and signs that you are doing. I thought that was so cool. As we go fur- further, we say, uh, Jesus responds to Nicodemus and says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus is illustrating something to us that we all need to stay away from, and it's called spiritual blindness. He's taking Jesus literally as needing to be born again. And he's like, how in the world is this going to happen? I don't understand how I, a man that is older, would be born again of my mother's womb is what Nicodemus is saying. He's seeing it so physical. And Jesus is standing there going, uh, that's not what I mean, man. Paraphrase on my part. He's saying, not, that's not what, what I'm trying to say. And in 1 Corinthians 2.14, I'm rifling through, through, uh, through notes and, and verses today, but it says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. See, we have five senses that we have been given by God to experience and to interact with the world that we live in. And I'm thankful for those five senses. How many times have you walked maybe on a hike and you can smell, you can just smell this waterfall that might be close, the spring of water. Maybe you can hear the birds and the nature. Maybe you can touch the, the bark and the grass and, and the rocks and everything else. 
we've seen things. The five senses are phenomenal at making sure we can interact with the most beautiful world that God's created. And we are so thankful for that. But the problem is that we continue to use our five senses to interact with the world and we actually become more reliant on our five senses than what the the Bible says for our spiritual side of things. When we read something in the Bible where we're like, we can't comprehend that because our five senses are taking over right now, when the, when, when the Bible says a faith size of a mustard seed is enough to move mountains, for those of you that are like, well, how, do, how does that even make sense? How could I go to the Rocky Mountains and make them move? No, <laughs> okay? God is saying, use your imagination, your God-given imagination, one that is not based on earthly things, because the earthly realm and our five senses have a very tough time relating to the heavenly realm. The heavenly realm is something where you can, you can get a bad diagnosis from the doctor. You can get told that you're not going to live much longer. You can get told these things that completely take over your mind and thoughts. But then you can just close your eyes and really completely stand on what the word of God says and see with your faith-filled eyes something completely different, which is, at, which, is, which is huge. It's something we need to get a part of. See, we get so caught up in our five senses that we see the word of God so literally and try to experience everything through our five senses, which handcuffs our faith to only understand if our senses understand it. But we need to see things as Jesus does. When we read through the Bible, and we're going to read through this verse a little bit more here, when we start to realize that when you see the, the world like Jesus does, it changes our perception. It does. It changes what we expect. It changes how we're going to go forward. It changes the ground that we will take. It's pretty amazing to see the world as Jesus does. And so we need to make sure as Christians that we don't always rely on our five senses. Instead, we realize that the word of God, Holy Spirit is within us, guiding us to new territory, guiding us to new new relationships, guiding our family into prosperity and favor and blessing. So if you don't see it or feel it with your five senses, Get back to the word, stand on that, and realize that that's what we need to see it through is the lens of God's word. We are spiritual beings, amen? And which means that we don't always look at what the earth is showing. We look at what we know God has already said and what we're standing on. In verse five, it says, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. How many times do we marvel in an area that we're in? When God's saying this to Nicodemus, he's like, don't marvel. Why? Because when you marvel about something, you're in awe. You're like, oh my goodness, to the, almost to the point where it paralyzes you into inaction because of how marveled you are. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, don't just marvel at this, okay? You must be born again. That's, that's all I'm saying. But don't get just stuck in that one saying that you just marvel at it and get stuck in there because that's not what this is meaning to be. In verse 8, it says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I love the illustrations that Jesus says throughout the Bible. I absolutely love the illustrations that he tells within the Word to help us understand his Word more. 
help us understand where we're going. Here, he's, he's using an illustration about the wind and, and, and tying that to Holy Spirit in our lives. The first thing he says is the wind blows wherever it pleases. See, Jesus begins by drawing a parallel between the wind and the Holy Spirit. Just as the wind is unpredictable and uncontrollable, so is the work of, of Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. The wind blows where it pleases, and the Holy Spirit works in ways that are often beyond human comprehension. The next thing he says is you can hear its sounds. Don't you love when you're sitting somewhere? Me and, me and my wife sitting on our back deck in, in summer and, and when all the leaves are, all the trees are full of leaves. And once the wind starts blowing, there's so many trees in the area that we live in that it literally sounds like ocean. It's just like you hear these leaves just blowing with the wind and it's so calming. It's so peaceful. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you hear it sounds, although you can't see the wind, you can hear it when it rustles through leaves and howls through the air. Similarly, the effects of Holy Spirit work in a person's life are also observable through their transformed character and their actions and faith. When you meet someone who's genuinely just guided by Holy Spirit, they're different. When you, re- when you, when you meet someone who has believed in Jesus and they actually make Jesus their, their first and foremost, their priority, something changes within that person. And you start to see actions change. You start to see the character change. You start to see them love beyond what would be humanly possible by just a human by themselves. Because Jesus transforms people through Holy Spirit inside of us. You hear its sounds, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. The wind's origin and destination that Jesus is saying here is often unknown and mysterious. Likewise, the work of the Holy Spirit is often mysterious and transcends human understanding. It operates in accordance to God's will, and its effects may not always be predictable. We might all always know where we're going to be led by Holy Spirit. Have any of you had this gut feeling inside of you to do something? And once you've done it, you've gone, I didn't even know to do that. But when I had this gut feeling and I went and did it, it's... It seemed to just bring the most glory to God than I've ever seen. It's made me feel more at peace. We have this gut feeling within us that guides us, and that's Holy Spirit. It's not a fearful gut feeling. I think if there's any time that Holy Spirit makes you feel a little bit scared, it's because he's asking you to step out of your comfort zone. And I think every single time that I've been led by Holy Spirit, it's, it's, <laughs> he's asked me to step out of my comfort zone. And I don't, I don't necessarily love doing that in the past. I'm getting up here to preach in the past. That was a big step out of the comfort zone. That was something I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this, but this is how it works. Holy Spirit is guiding you to new truths, to new life, to to newly made marriages, to turn your marriage around and and have love like you've never loved before, to restore that relationship that you have that maybe you don't really have with your kids, maybe to just to to bring that that relationship, that God-given woman or man into your life. That is huge. And that's what Holy Spirit continually makes us and, and, and shows us what to do. But we have to be obedient in that, right? We have to see that and feel it and go, okay, I, uh, I guess I got to do that. That means when you're walking down the mall, sometimes you might have this feeling inside of you that goes, there's a guy sitting over there by himself. I, I feel like I should go sit with him. Let me tell you, go sit with him if you feel that. If you have this gut feeling that goes, I should go out and reach out and just, and just talk. You're not going to be weird, okay? 
you can just continually step into what God has for you and go, I can do this. I can just lead with, hey, I can lead with, how are you doing? I just saw you sitting here alone and I just figured out, I just want to see how you're doing. They might go, no, man, like, give me some space. And then you can walk away. Can you handle rejection? I hope so. <laughs> can you respond to rejection and respect that and walk away? <laughs> That's another thing that happens too. I always laugh because me and, me and uh, Jess were, my wife were walking through uh, the mall the other day and I joked with her and I just said, because we were shopping and I, I was like, oh, I just love to just her to go on a shopping spree and buy whatever. And I, I made a joke to her and I was just like, hey, I will let you buy whatever you want. Okay, anything in this mall, if you go up to someone, I said, and pretend like you ha you, they're a long lost friend that you haven't seen in 20 years. <laughs> and I knew, I knew this full well that I wouldn't be spending money that day because I knew that was like a big uh, step out of comfort zone for all of us, right? And, and she's like, oh, I can't, I can't do that right now. But I know, that's fair. It was just so funny because we're laughing, walking through the mall going, geez, can you imagine going up to a complete stranger pretending like they're a long lost friend from 20 years ago and them just standing there, probably not reciprocating anything and just standing there with just like their bug eyes going, what is going on in this mall today? It's funny, but I'm, I'm drawing that parallel to the fact that Holy Spirit leads us to do things that typically makes us step out of our comfort zone. And our comfort zone is where we feel most at peace, but that's a lie from the enemy. Where your comfort zone is not where you feel most at peace. When you step into what God has for you, that's what brings a profound and a, a, a transcending peace above all understanding, which is huge. There's a a movie that we used to, uh, I used to watch, and, this, and the actor said he was, he was uh, in, in the movie, he, the, the way that he met his wife in the movie, he said it just took 15 seconds of courage, is what he said. He said most of life takes just 15 seconds of courage. That's it. Just 15 seconds, and, and your entire life can change once you step out in that 15 seconds of courage. So when we say Holy Spirit has this gut reaction within us to, to lead us somewhere new, we're talking 15 seconds of maybe fear. That once you step out and you get into that conversation, everything chills out. We always say, if you're public speaking, the second you stand up here, you're nervous. If you don't do it often, you're nervous like crazy to get up here. But then when you first start talking for the first 30 seconds, 15 seconds, most of your nerves just disappear instantly because you have what you prepared and you're ready to go and do it. 15 seconds of courage. Never underestimate what can happen within just 15 seconds of going, whatever, I'm going to go do it. When you do that, it's amazing what can happen. In, the, in this Nicodemus and Jesus story, um, he says, again, you cannot tell where it comes from is the last thing I said. And so we know Holy Spirit usually operates in not predictable patterns. You're usually walking around, you're going, oh, no, please, no. All right? Like, I, you have Jonah. He was supposed to go to Nineveh. Did he end up in Nineveh? Yes, he did end up in Nineveh because God's plan for him was massive. And God didn't want him to lose that plan. But Jonah needed to be obedient at some point in order to go there, even if he was scared straight in that story about being swallowed by a whale and then went to Nineveh and still accomplished what God had him to accomplish. This is how it works. And so later in this verse, it says, uh, Jesus says to Nicodemus, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, Jesus uses the analogy of the wind to illustrate that those who are born of the Spirit experience a, a spiritual transformation that is initiated and guided by Holy Spirit. This transformation is not something that can be fully controlled or understood because Holy Spirit works in heavenly ways, in spiritual ways. So when we try to understand it with our five senses, 
we get confused because it's not made to do that. It's made to be understood through the word of God and what he teaches us and what we stand on, the foundation for our life, for our marriage, for our kids, for our work, for our community, for our church. That's where you start to understand where Holy Spirit will be guiding you as a person, as a believer, because you have a part to play. Do you believe that? You have a part to play. I'm glad five are on this journey with me. It's good. You have a part to play. And, we, and this is not a church that we're going to sit down and just kind of stay dumb till he comes, is what my dad used to always say. We're not just learning about the word and then just going back to our everyday lives. It's like, yes, but you can be a beacon of light and hope and peace and strength through Jesus wherever you are. You don't got to stand on, stand on a stage. Some of you are like, I can never do that. You don't have to do that. God's not calling you to be me. God's calling you to be you. And we all have our own individual calling. Step into that calling and realize that God will lead you to places that you've never seen before and experience things that you've never experienced before. So this is what we're talking about. You can lead a new spiritual life when you allow, as a believer, Holy Spirit to guide you. In verse 9, Nicodemus answered God, or answered Jesus after he said this. And he said, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Why are you asking me these questions is pretty much what Jesus was saying. But he spent the moment to not only rebuke him, in, in other words, correct him and try to push him to, onto a different direction in his life, but to love him as well. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive. Our witness is what Jesus is saying. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. Jesus is saying, I ascended from heaven and I'm giving you an earthly witness of what's happening while I've walked around this earth and you're not believing me. So how could I ever go on to tell you what God has for you in your life, the heavenly things, the way spirit's gonna lead you because you're not gonna believe those things either. Not even close if you can't grasp the fact of being born again and accepting Jesus in your life and Holy Spirit comes into your life and starts to guide you into all things. Abundant life, peace, strength, there's so many things that when we just become obedient to the word of God, things change. I got to fast forward a little bit through this story of Nicodemus and Jesus. But later, Jesus is just saying to him, hey, he said in John 3.16, which is one of the most famous verses in the Bible, he says, for God so loved the world, many of you know this, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is a verse that he's telling Nicodemus, this is it period. This is what you got to do. Just believe in me. Believe that God who sent his son, if you believe in me, you will have everlasting life. I feel like this is one last ditch effort Jesus was giving to Nicodemus to really change his thinking. Nicodemus went on to be, he was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews back in the day. And he went on to defend Jesus later in the chapter of John because of this conversation he had with Jesus. Isn't that phenomenal? Isn't that something that makes you go, oh my goodness. And then we read the verse, like I've already said, that says that we as believers will do, this is what Jesus said, greater things than he. Wow. I accept that for my life and I'm speaking that over every single person here because the more that we respond to the call, every single person's individual call, 
God will bless you. Favor of God will be on you. When, you. when you go, I'm leaving my old life behind and I'm continuing to do what God has called me to do. That is what is phenomenal. Now I gotta fast forward a little bit because I'm running out of time here. But in John chapter three, it goes into John the Baptist and Jesus. And John the, John the Baptist, to give an understanding of what that's all about, is John the Baptist and Jesus were very similar to what they did when they were on earth. And they overlapped. Their ministries overlapped a little bit. John the Baptist was a preacher, a teacher, a baptizer, of course. He walked. He, he had disciples. He had a following that was massive. And then Jesus walked in. Now, Jesus was the same thing, apart from the fact that he was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. He was going to save the earth. But he walked in, and he had a great following. He had disciples. And so after Jesus talked to Nicodemus, Jesus and his disciples, the word says, go on to baptize in Judea. And so as they're baptizing, apparently not far from where Jesus was baptizing, John the Baptist was also baptizing as well. And one of John the Baptist's um, disciples comes to, comes to him, and I read it as if like this disciple's kind of worried with a tone of worry in, 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 his, um, in his tone of voice when he's talking to John. And he's saying, John, he's like, there's a guy close to where we are that's baptizing and everyone's going to him. In other words, our ministry is, is decreasing right now and we have to figure this out. Like we're losing our following, John. It's pretty much what he's saying. We got to figure this out. And John, with the most profound and life-changing response to not only teach, but guide his disciples to what ultimate truth was with Jesus, said this. It says, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness, John says, that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. I have been sent before him. What humility in that moment for someone to give up everything he's built, every, all the following he has, every single thing that he's gone through in preaching and the sacrifice he made to say, no, 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 you guys aren't getting this. He's Jesus. And I've been doing what I've been doing, making a way for him. In other words, John said, I've been sent before Jesus to hopefully make Jesus's impact even just a little greater, maybe a, a little simpler, whatever it might be. I've been sent before him. Fast forward to 2023, we know Jesus is coming back at some point. I'm not gonna focus on that. You know what I mean? I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm off the side of like, well, when do you think Jesus is coming back? I don't care. I know what I'm to do to prepare for when he comes back, and that's what I'm gonna focus on. I'm not gonna go, oh, we won't know, okay? We don't know. We've been saying end times for how long, but it's just when we get into the, in the point, we have a calling on this earth, you, me, and everyone, to go forth, to love God, to love people, and to make disciples of every nation, baptizing them. It says, amazing, we, we know what we are to do. But yet, some of us put so much effort into trying to predict what's going to happen in the future when we should be spending the present loving people, showing them Jesus, which is what we need to do. I know it's one of those things that's a little bit of a, of a dicey topic when end times comes in, but some of us just focus far too much on it. 
And we need to realize that Jesus came. It's 2023. I believe that myself and every single person who is a believer has again been sent before Jesus to pave the way for Jesus to come back and pave the way where it's a wide open highway of people that are saved, that are walking forward, that are loved, that are accepted, that are forgiven, that, are, that know who they are, that know their identity. This is what we need to do as a church and as believers. And we need to stop getting stuck in the weeds of every little thing and just realize that the greatest commandments is love God and love people. That is very simple, especially if you establish your foundation and your belief on Jesus. Then it comes so easy. See, we've been sent for this, and now he goes into verse 29, and I love, again, another word picture that John the Baptist is doing this time. It says in verse 29, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Then he says in verse 30, uh, it's my favorite verse right now. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, that I must decrease. John is speaking about his own relationship to Jesus and his part to play. His part to play. The bride and the bridegroom. John uses this metaphor of a bride and a bridegroom to refer to Jesus and the people who follow him in this metaphor. Jesus is depicted as the bridegroom or the groom and his followers are the bride. See, and John's saying, my part, I identify as the friend of the groom. In the cultural context of that time, the friend of the bridegroom played a significant role in Jewish weddings. This friend would help prepare for the wedding, assist in the marriage ceremony, and wait um, with anticipation for the groom's arrival, believe it or not. He was just stoked that the groom was able to marry his bride that day, and that was all he was stoked about in that time. See, he says he's waiting and listening. John describes his role as patiently waiting and listening for the voice of the bridegroom which represents Jesus. He eagerly anticipates the arrival of Jesus and plays close attention to his message. He's trying to say that, and then he expresses great joy when, when, when he hears the voice of the bridegroom, which symbolizes his joy at witnessing Jesus's ministry and recognizing him as Messiah. John's joy, this is my, one of my favorite parts of the verse, is complete because he sees the fulfillment of his role in preparing the way for Jesus. Now, for me, I'm in that same boat. When I read that, it resonated with me, and I believe it should resonate with every single believer in where you are, what you're doing. Doesn't matter what career you've chosen. Doesn't matter where you spend most of your time. If you come to church on Sundays and you're elsewhere otherwise, it doesn't matter. We have a role to play. You have a part to play within advancing the kingdom. And John's pretty much saying here that if I can push Jesus ahead even a little bit, my joy is fulfilled. Just a little bit, my joy is fulfilled. In other words, if we impact one family, one person with this church, my joy is fulfilled. But let me tell you, we ain't going to impact just one family or one person. We are going to impact thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, and I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to, to build alongside every single person here because this is a church of God. This is a family, and families go forward together. Families know their calling. Families know where their place is, and we all need to realize that we have a part to play. And if you don't step out in that obedience and realize that, yes, God's going to use you so great 
And if you don't believe that, you got to close your physical five cents off, whatever that is, and open your spiritual eyes to see what the Word of God says and to really understand what God's purpose is for you on this planet. Because it's going to be bringing love and peace and joy and strength to every single person that you meet. Our goal is not to increase our own fame. Our goal is to let everything that we do increase Jesus. We will continue to go forward, continue to, to, to prepare the way for Jesus again. And you have a part to play, a huge part. It's not just the bench warmer, as comfy as that is, okay? God wants you to go out there and play. That part isn't just coming to church. That part isn't just being indifferent and kind of like whatever about everything. That part is coming to church. The part is standing up for what you believe in. That part isn't being ashamed of who you are in Christ. That part is taking our love for Jesus Jesus, everywhere that we go, knowing, knowing full well that what we do is going to glorify God. And if it were to just help one person, our joy is fulfilled. But with this big of a church, this many people, we're going to impact so much more than just one person. Think big. There's nothing that stops us from going where God's called us. Nothing. You can't stop the church of Jesus. You can't. As long as all of us go forward and go, we're here, we're in, we're going to continue to grow and build as long as we are on this earth. I love that it says my joy is fulfilled in there. See, my joy is fulfilled if this ministry helps increase Jesus even in the slightest even in the slightest. It'll be so fulfilling, so fulfilling. But I know God's got much more than, more than that for us. As we close, let's just remember that he must increase and we must decrease. Now, that's not talking about the way, of, the, the way you live or your success in the world. It doesn't talk about anything like that. He's just saying, it's not about you. John's saying, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And my entire ministry was about pushing forward the ministry of Jesus. That is it. He must increase, I must decrease. Provides us with a timeless lesson on the essence of our journey as Christians. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, and the is the embodiment of love, grace, and truth. His light shines brighter than any darkness. His love is deeper than any ocean. His power is greater than any obstacle. And as Christians, our primary purpose is to magnify him in all that we do. It's about making him the center of our lives, the focus of our attention, and the source of our strength. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, he is our Savior, and the world needs Jesus. The world needs love. Look around. Listen to the news. Figure out what's going on. Love is needed. Period. And the only love that's going to change people's hearts, even the most crazy people that are, that are evil to their very core, can be changed by the love of Christ. If it can get out to them. And so as a church, we need to keep moving. But how do we make him increase? It begins with love. The greatest commandment, as Jesus taught us in Matthew 22, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Loving God means seeking his presence. Loving God means studying his word and surrendering our lives to his will. It means trusting him when the path is unclear and rejoicing in him when the world tempts us to despair. Do you agree with that? And as our love for God grows, something extraordinary happens. Our hearts become a vessel for his love. 
Our hearts become something that can just push the love of Christ to every single person that we find. And then we find ourselves echoing the second part of the greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Loving people is an outward reflection of our love for Christ, for God. And when we establish this and go forward, realizing that God's plan for you is so great, that even if you scratch the surface of what his plan is for you, it will be the biggest and greatest thing you will ever do in your life. But when we choose to be close to Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. See, when we love our neighbors, we become instruments of his grace and agents of his peace. We feed the hungry, we clothe the naked, and comfort the brokenhearted. We listen without judgment, forgive without condition, and serve without reservation. I love that one. Serve without reservation. So how can we put this into practice every single day? It's about choosing love over hatred, kindness over indifference, compassion over judgment. It's being the hands and feet of Christ in a world that desperately needs love. Desperately needs love. In closing, let me remind you of the words of John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. As we strive to love God with all our hearts and love our neighbors as ourselves, we align ourselves with God's purpose for our lives. We become channels of his love, allowing Jesus to increase in us and through us. You have a part to play. I have a part to play. Everyone who is a believer has an extremely important part to play as we continue to go forward and prepare the way for Jesus in ways that we've never seen before. Are you guys into this? Are you guys behind it? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? No one looking around. Every single week we always take time to pray but one of the most important prayers ever. And that prayer is to accept Jesus into your life. And like I said, in John 3, 16, it says, so, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that anyone who believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what we preach. That's what we teach. That's what we push. And so with no one looking around, I want to give the opportunity to anyone who is sitting in the seat today and for those that are in Calgary right now too or watching online, wherever you are, I want to give you the opportunity to, to accept Jesus into your life right now and become a follower of Christ. I was all about Holy Spirit today. It was all about allowing Holy Spirit to guide us. The second that you accept Jesus, you become what Jesus was describing in Nicodemus as born again. And Holy Spirit starts to guide you in everything that you do as you completely Keep Jesus first in your life. So I want to take a moment. No one looking around. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here and you want to be accepted in this prayer to be a follower of Jesus today, I want you to just look up at me real quick and give me a quick wave. And I want to accept you in this prayer. Thank you. So awesome. Don't let fear come in. Thank you. Thank you. So great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So awesome. Don't let fear come in today. Thank you. Fear is the enemy of love, and it will constantly make you stay in where you are, never experiencing what God has for you. I'm going to say it again. We all have a part to play, and it'd be a shame if you never heard about that part or just simply never chose it. 
Because that part to play is going to lead you into the most abundance of joy and love and peace that you've experienced in your entire life. Before I pray, I'm going to take a quick look around once more. And if I missed you, I just want you to make sure you get your hand up. And we're going to pray a prayer in two seconds here. Thank you. Awesome. So great. Everyone can repeat after me this prayer. The prayer goes like this. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Please come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. Give me the power to change every day, every year, for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm following you. In your name, amen and amen. Let's give a round of applause to all those that made that amazing decision. So good. So good.